Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Tom Hartman here with you. Okay, my rant today from HartmanReport.com is titled, Is the Final Stage, probably I should have used the word scene there, but is the final stage for the GOP and democracy the 2022 election? And I started out by talking about Congressman Steve Scalise. Steve Scalise is the congressman from Louisiana. He's the number two Republican in the House of Representatives. He's the, he's the whip under Kevin McCarthy. He's the guy who ran for office saying that he was David Duke without the baggage. Even David Duke, by the way, pushed back on that. My hot link to that quote, the quote's all over the internet, but my hot link to that quote is to, a, uh, to an article about David Duke saying, wait a minute, you're no David Duke, but he's close enough, right? He got elected. So Steve Scalise is now talking to Republican members of the House of Representatives. Keep in mind, he's the number two Republican in the House behind Kevin McCarthy. He's talking to these people and saying, please do not vote to refer Steve Bannon to the Department of Justice for a criminal contempt citation for contempt of Congress. In other words, we, the Republicans in the House of Representatives, are just fine with some guy saying, screw you to a congressional subpoena. Let that sink in for a minute. My father's Republican Party is now the modern-day Confederacy, and Republicans' defense of Steve Bannon defying subpoenas this week pretty much proves it in my opinion. And, and if it keeps moving in the same direction, we may see this republic turn into a full-blown racist strongman oligarchy. I mean, the racist and big money poisons really began in the GOP in the 1950s with the Brown versus Board of Education ruling from the Supreme Court. This activated the racists, frankly, in both parties, the Democratic and Republican parties. But the Democratic Party repudiated those racists just a decade later in 1964 and 65 with the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. And just three years later, Richard Nixon, with his Southern strategy, we reached out to the white racists, particularly in the South, and said, hey, you know, the Democrats don't want you guys anymore. They want to have a multiracial society. Oh, my God. A multiracial democracy. And so uh, come on with me, Richard Nixon. And we can, you know, we'll keep this white power thing going. Now they're doing it down in Texas. White people are not even the majority in Texas anymore. They haven't been since 2004. 
or I should say we haven't been since 2004. Well, I'm going to use they here because I think, I think there are times to differentiate yourself. This is one of them. And, and so the white power structure in Texas has said, okay, we're going we're gonna to gerrymander Texas. So even though over 90% of the population growth, which has given us two new members of Congress, even though over 90% of that population growth has occurred in the Hispanic and black communities, we're going to give 100% of those two new congressional seats to white people. And we're going to strengthen the power of white people in Texas. A minority. This is called minority rule. This is not the party that Abraham Lincoln founded. This is a party of white racists and libertarian billionaires who don't believe in the American way, who don't believe that America should have a social safety net, who don't believe in Medicare or Social Security, who don't want, you know, basically they don't want anything positive happening for the average person coming out of government because they think that only billionaires should be doing those things. Only the free market should solve all problems in society. And this is creating, by the way, now a crisis. You've got, you know, the Trump open fascists like Steve Bannon. And the question is, are these billionaires, these right-wing billionaires who think, you know, everything is economic, are they going to continue to support a Republican Party that is nakedly racist and fascist? And it looks like the answer is yes, they are going to. So what does this mean for America? You've got 17 states now that have passed 30 laws, excuse me, 19 states that have passed 30 laws to set up the, the theft of the 2024 presidential election. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. Call 202-808-9925. Will they get away with it? How is this going to play out? Will they break the filibuster today to stop it? You might want to let your members of Congress know your opinions. Is the Republican Party going down in flames? Sure looks like it to me. We're seeing more and more kind of getting uh, more and more people leaving the Republican Party. We've got Texas with their gerrymander. It looks like they're going to probably succeed in this. I mean, the Supreme Court, when they gutted the Voting Rights Act in 2013 with, the, with their Shelby County decision, they brought this about, right? They, they just, the Supreme Court just gifted this to us, thank you very much, that now white racists in southern states, well, white racists anywhere in the country, actually, if they have a majority, in their state legislatures can strengthen that majority, even though they represent the minority of people in the state, by gerrymandering their state. And this is exactly what Texas is doing right now. And it's not just Texas, this is happening in every state. And there are a couple of states where the Democrats are pushing back and saying, okay, you wanna play that game, we can do the same thing. Here in Oregon, for example, We've got a new congressional district and it's going to go to a Democrat and the Republicans are squealing and they're lawsuiting and they're freaking out. And, you know, the, the real irony here is if the Republicans were to succeed with a lawsuit here in Oregon to block our one new congressional district going to a Democrat, then maybe that same logic could be used to block the two new congressional districts in Texas going to a Republican, going to Republicans. But this is, this is absolutely what's going on here and, and how Texas is getting away with their gerrymandering and their minority rule. And, and you know, it, it should be wrong. I mean, this, this, should be, this should not be something that we do in the United States. It was Joe Stalin who famously told his, his uh, personal secretary, I don't care who votes, what I care about is who counts the votes. 
The Republican Party has turned that into their mantra. And that has to do with democratic republicanism where? What? We are facing an existential crisis in this country right now. And it is coming right out of this party, out of the Republican Party. Uh, you know, I realize we've got a problem with two bought-off Democratic senators, one in particular, Kirsten Cinema. Apparently now, maybe is negotiating in good faith, but I'm not holding my breath. It's up to her to redeem herself rather than for us to give her the benefit of the doubt or cut her some slack or, or try to be uh, convincing of her or to her. with Mark. Congressman Mark Pocan is on the line with us uh, for our National Progressive Town Hall meeting, Middays with Mark. He uh, represents the 2nd District of Wisconsin. He's a member and former co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He's on the Appropriations, Education, and Labor Committees. Pocan.house.gov, P-O-C-A-N.house.gov is his website, and you can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. And Congressman Pocan, I, I have uh, you know, three quick questions for you this morning, if you don't mind. Uh, I'll just I'll just go through them real quick. Uh, first of all, welcome to the program. So glad to have you with us again. Thanks, Tom. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're with us. Thank you. Um, I'm getting increasingly hysterical emails from FreedomWorks and other you know Coke aligned Coke Network aligned uh, right wing groups about the freedom to vote bill today. The the you know uh, that that would blow up the Republicans' plans in a number of states. To, uh, uh, to you know, to mess with our elections. Uh, that's number one. Number two is the uh, the Steve Scalise whipping votes for Steve Bannon. What's going on with that from your point of view? And the and the third is, isn't it a good sign? And I realize how bad this sounds, but isn't it a good sign that the White House is saying that they're removing free community college from the Build Back Better bill because that's proof that there's actual negotiations going on as opposed to just posturing. Yeah, so you gave me three. So what's the first one again? So I get it in the, the right The first order. one was these that. increasingly hysterical emails I'm getting from FreedomWorks about the right to vote bill. Uh, they're saying that it's going to, you know, end uh, end uh, the right to vote yeah. altogether. So, I mean, I think the good news is, um, just as we're seeing with Build Back Better, uh, you know, Joe Manchin is a legislator at heart, right? And he knows that he has to negotiate and work to get things done. And that is his bill around the voting rights. And it's a decent bill um, that would really address what a lot of these states are doing. And there's a lot of reason to believe that Joe Manchin uh, is committed in, in ways that maybe we've been begging people to be committed for a while to get it done. So um, I think that's why their, their frequency and franticness has increased, because I think uh, we're seeing some, some additional glimmers of hope that Joe Manchin's committed to seeing his bill get done, which would be an extremely good thing. You think they'll change the Senate rules to get a to get a pass because it's going to be filibustered? I think uh, there's a lot of openness uh, because they want to get this bill done, and Joe Manchin would like to get his bill done. Yeah. Okay. So that, that that is, I think, the reason you're seeing that um, elevated. Uh, the second question, I apologize, Tom. You gave me. All oh, it's quite all right. I, I should have I should have emailed these to you. I'm sorry. Um, uh, Steve Scalise is whipping votes for Steve Bannon. What does that say about the Republican Party? That means the leash they wear has a little. Spike on it, and when the president, former president, pulls on it, 
uh, they feel the spike, uh, right? I mean, mm. you know, everything they do is is to appease their cult leader, Donald Trump. And Donald Trump clearly doesn't want someone to go out there and talk about the involvement that he very likely had in, if not uh, trading, but clearly uh, knowing what was going on and not doing anything to stop it. So um, we're going to get it done. We're going to, you know, as far as I'm concerned, we shouldn't even had to go to a congressional vote. You know, we need Department of Justice to enforce subpoenas. Period. If that means Steve Bannon sits on a concrete slab for a few days uh, until we, we get him in, that's what it means. But, you know, fine, we'll do this through a vote of Congress. But you have to enforce subpoenas. I think it's the least we can do. Right. And, and to your last question, I do remember um, what it is. Uh, absolutely. You know, we were in the White House yesterday, um, a number of us from the Progressive Caucus. They all said a group of the so-called moderate conservative members. And we were in there for over two hours. And the president's very involved with this agenda. He's doing a lot of things that were the priority. Everything that the Progressive Caucus has as priorities largely is moving forward. And, in fact, even to the strategy, Tom, and I think this is important, do more things for maybe slightly smaller amounts of time. Because just like when Social Security was created, once people, all the same complaints were said about Social Security, and once people saw how good it was, uh, it was wildly popular. So he's doing that and also is seeing that people will get benefits immediately. And, and there's certain things that they're doing that, you know, it's not finalized yet, but, for example, on expanding Medicare. A lot of special interests don't want us to go to dental, vision, and hearing. Or but, negotiate you know, drugs. Is, or, or negotiate drugs, although Joe Manchin's been very good on that, by the way. Some others have been less good. But when it comes to the, the Medicare expansion parts, the dental part would take a long time to put in place in some ways. I think he's got a pretty unique solution to make it more immediate and to help people so we can move this forward. So the president absolutely is engaged. Talks are moving. president is very anxious to get this done in a good way. And, you know, Joe Manchin gets it because he's a legislator. He's negotiating. I'm not sure if all of the people who are holding out get it. But I think at some point you're going to have a critical mass. I'm very confident that this thing is moving forward uh, in a good way. Great. Okay. Uh, anything on your mind, Congressman Pocan, that you wanted to lay on us before we move to the calls? I was just going to stress that, you know, I think things are moving well. Are we going to be happy with everything? No. You know, Joe Manchin and I probably disagree on a number of things ideologically, but to be fair, he's negotiating and doing what we need to to move a bill forward. And, you know, I think just some of the things I mentioned are significant. I mean, those child care provisions, I think, are game changers for people in this country. Expansion of Medicare, uh, the negotiating for prescription drugs so we're not being ripped off by big pharma. I mean, there's some really significant stuff that is moving forward. And uh, while we won't have everything that the president wanted in the $6 trillion bill, by the time this is done between the two bills, you'll probably be close to about half of what the president uh, wanted financially, but we're finding ways to stretch it to probably get, you know, three quarters or more of his agenda. And uh, I think we might wind up with a pretty strong bill. That's great. That is absolutely great. Um, you know, step by step. Okay, let's pick up some phone calls here. David in Columbus, Ohio, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Recently, I've been kind of depressed as far as the climate crisis. Are the Democrats going to accomplish anything on the uh, climate crisis? This seems to be the biggest health problem we have. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, David, that so much more needs to be done than has been even proposed, to be perfectly honest. Um, although we have seen a few signs recently that are maybe a little better on the timeline of what's happening. But that, that's no excuse not to keep the foot on full uh, throttle and try to move forward. Um, I think some things that are very positive are uh, there, there are a number of measures in these two bills that will be very strong around climate change, including creating jobs around 
climate change. I think there's some executive orders and actions you're going to see agencies taking also in tandem to try to move this forward. But we have to do so much more uh, as, as a nation around this. And, um, you know, given that 50-50 Senate with the makeup of the Senate as it is, it's a lot more difficult to really rise to where we truly need to. And you're right that the urgency absolutely needs to be there. Um, we need to get far more done. Problem is Congress is used to operating on deadlines, but you can't operate on a deadline when it comes to the planet, right? Uh, you know, if you get past that point of no return, we're all screwed. Yeah, there you go. And welcome back. Morris in Long Beach, California, listening on KPFK. Morris, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hey, good morning, Congressman, and good morning to you, Tom. Uh, Congressman, Papa, Papa Joe said that, that we should get whatever we can get right now, and then we can get the rest of it later on. Now, you fellas shot for the moon. Which you, I mean, you shot for the stars. You shot for the stars. But you landed on the moon, and that's pretty good. I don't have a short memory. I remember where we were not just, uh, just six months ago. But do you think the president was correct that we should go ahead and get whatever we can get right now? Even though it's not what we wanted, but we, we got something wrong. I got a stimulus check the other day. Get what you can get right now, and then we can get the rest later on. Do you think that's a good strategy? And thank you. Yeah, uh, thanks, Morris. I mean, our point has been do more things, even if it's for a shorter amount of time, because like when Social Security was created, a lot of critics uh, were out there. Once it got in place, people saw how wildly popular it was. Obviously, we still have it till today, and we're going to have it in the future. So that's the same thing is true here. You know, if you look at what is in the Build Back Better Act, the infrastructure bill, and what we pass in the rescue plan, you're going to have more spent than we spent on the New Deal or, or the Great Society or, or any of these massive uh, things that we have done in, in our history. So this is a big deal. And uh, I think, you know, the more we obviously want to get as much as possible done, and that's where we're in a negotiation stance. Um, and I think uh, because of that, we will get a lot of big ideas. And the president did say he's still committed to his full agenda at that $6 trillion level, and he will continue to work on that through his presidency. And, and I take him at his word. Stephen in uh, Paddock, Sala, Ohio, if I'm saying that right, Stephen, you're on the air with Congressman yes. Pocan. We, the Senate com Defense Committee decided that they were going to increased the budget by $10 billion from what the Pentagon requested. How the heck is this going on? Are these committee members being strong-armed by the Republicans, or is there some deal with, with Joe Biden that, uh, you know, they're, they're being cut? I, I don't understand. With, with all the spending that's going on with the Pentagon, it's ridiculous. Stephen, um, Barbara Lee and I started the Pentagon Spending Reduction Caucus for the very reasons you're talking about. We spend more than the next 11 nations combined. And uh, you know, for all the fight that we have over the Build Back Better agenda at three and a half trillion, which is about 350 billion a year, the defense uh, Pentagon budget is twice that every year. And you don't see the same consternation. So I completely agree with you. You know, this is the military industrial complex is what we're facing. You know, it also was Democrats um, uh, joining Republicans, uh, not all Democrats, but a number of them to put this increase out there that goes above what Joe Biden said he needs uh, for the Pentagon. So unfortunately in the House, uh, it did proceed through the NDAA and uh, that's where it's at in the Senate. And they're going to keep that extra money above the president's request, which is ridiculous. And, you know, to me, the real thing we have to do, Tom, is, is have to have a new definition, a modern definition of defense. And there's five words, I think, that if we affected right now, it says money can only go to a state or non-state actor. If we got rid of that or altered that language, you could then use defense money 
for other ways that actually defend the public, for pandemics, for climate change, uh, for cybersecurity and some other areas. So I, I think that's a goal that a number of us are working on in the next year, getting a modern definition of defense so we can put money in different areas. That would allow you to move some of that money around or past the Defense Department? Climate change, money could go towards... As, a, as go opposed towards to expanding its portfolio. Yeah, exactly, but not necessarily for purposes of war, but for purposes of actual defense. Right, I and get I it. That's the definition we should have. I get it, I like it. The Congress just added $10 billion more than the Pentagon and Joe Biden asked for into the defense budget. Did that come from individual members of Congress getting elbows bent by individual uh, defense contractor law, you know, uh, lobbyists and saying, hey, you know, uh, and in your district, we can make some extra cluster bombs. And in your district, we can make some extra uniforms or whatever. Is that, is that how that worked? And, and how would you expand the definitions of defense to get around this kind of problem? Sure. So, you know, uh, Barbara Lee and I co-founded the Pentagon Spending Reduction Caucus, and we put a lot of time into this working with the various groups out there that are working on this. And, you know, I think this is just the military-industrial complex at its, uh, at quotes, best, uh, in that they have jobs in every member's district, and they're able to trigger those networks to make members spend more than we actually need because it becomes a jobs issue, unfortunately. Yet, for many of us, it's actually creating weapons of war that are about death and destruction, and we, we don't want that. And often these are unaudited programs, and uh, they're programs that, that fail and we still pour money down that drain. So uh, what happened was in the House on the NDAA, Republicans and some Democrats, by the way, uh, voted to spend more than Joe Biden had asked for. And the Senate also, the same thing happening. So we're probably going to spend more than Joe Biden wanted to. Many of us voted against that national defense authorization because of that spending. But I think what we would argue is we need a, a more modern definition of defense. So there are five words. Um, where it says right now you can only use defense dollars against a state or non-state actor. And I think there's a way to try to either expand or take that language out so that you could use money for other ways that defend this country. And in the last year and a half, the biggest national security threat we've had has been COVID-19. Um, then we could use money for pandemics. We could use money for climate change, because clearly that's a, a threat to this country. We could use more money for cyber attacks and things like that. By having that more modern definition, then you're not just looking at, you know, the, the bombs and missiles and defense contractors that really profit from the current system, but we could actually use some of those Pentagon dollars in a better definition of defense of this nation. And I think it's something that many of us are starting to work on for the next uh, period we have an opportunity to fund the Pentagon. That's a really interesting and thoughtful thing. Thank you very much for that. Joe in Woodstock, yeah. Illinois, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Good morning, Congressman and Tom. I have a serious question, and it is a simple one. Okay, we're looking at what they're doing in the Senate. And I know this doesn't ex include the House. It's a separate thing. But we're watching it, you know, two Congress, there's two senators that were bought off. And, and it's not going to change. If it's not Sinema and it's not Manchin, it's going to be somebody else. How do we get through this? I've given up hope. I've given up because there's nothing I can do more than vote and get a little bit active, and I'm pretty much disabled. So I, I want to know, Congressman, how do we what – what do the Democrats do? It's hopeless. Thank you. Yeah, it's not hopeless, uh, Joe. I, like, here, here's the simple answer to it. Get more Democratic senators. If you don't have to rely on two people that seem to 
um, enjoy the, the ability to hold out and, and hold up the president and Democrats' agenda. Um, you know, if we had two more senators, it wouldn't matter. Uh, and you wouldn't have to be doing some of the negotiating. So, you know, when Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and some other states uh, are up uh, next year, follow those elections very closely because, uh, you know, I, I said to the president himself, you know, we're going to deliver Wisconsin. We're going to make sure Ron Johnson can spend his entire day reading the National Enquirer uh, instead of just, you know, before he goes to a committee hearing. And uh, we'll, we'll get it done. But that's the simple answer. You know, if we had a little more robust members, uh, bigger Democratic membership in the Senate, uh, any one or two people can't hold everything up like you can with a 50-50 Senate. Debbie in Derry, New Hampshire, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, good afternoon, gentlemen. Tom, thank you so much for taking my call. Thank you both so much for everything you do. You're doing God's work, and I pray for you both every day. Trust thank you, me. Debbie. You're very welcome, both of you. Um, so... You know, so many Americans are quitting their jobs. My husband works in manufacturing. He's a supervisor. He doesn't have the luxury of quitting. Um, so I guess my heart is really going out to the workers who are stuck working while their coworkers are quitting. They're having to work twice, three times as hard. What can we do to help the workers who are continuing to work? Um, my husband is getting up at 2.30 every morning. I know this because I'm his alarm clock. I'm waking him up <laughs> 2.30 every morning to go into the factory to be there for 4 o'clock. He works until 5.30. This is five days a week, 4 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. It's not sustainable. It's not good for his mental health. It's not good for the quality of our lives. And I'm just concerned about people. Now he's telling me there are more and more people at his work quitting because they can, you know, collect unemployment. He just told me yesterday when he got home, I said, how was your day, honey? He said, it sucked. I said, why? He says, another guy quit today. And he's calling in saying that he has COVID symptoms when he doesn't just so that he can be out of work for two weeks. Amazing. Debbie, thank you. Uh, we'll have to take your call, Congressman, on the other side of this break. Uh, but uh, great question, Debbie. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally-sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com Hartman, with two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity, and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. 
It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Paul in Woodenville, Washington, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, thanks, Tom and Congressman. Uh, I think the Democrats need to do a better job messaging that, number one, uh, the Build Act Better it has spending, there is no entitlement spending in Build Back Better. And also, Build Back Better does not add anything to the national debt. I don't think people understand that the smaller bill, the smaller infrastructure bill that the Republicans want, does add to the national debt because it has no associated tax increases with it. And it only has the things in it that the Republicans want, but they don't want to pay for. They want to put it on the credit card, as usual, and leave us holding the bag. If I don't think whatever form of shorter time or whatever Mansion and Cinema and the Republicans will vote for, because they don't want anything that would give uh, Joe Biden credit, and they don't want anything that's going to cause the billionaires to have to pay for it. So my proposal is, if they're not going to vote for it, maybe we can come up with three point five trillion dollars in federal tax cuts for the middle class. Anybody who makes under two hundred thousand dollars a year doesn't have to pay any income tax zero (laughs) let's start there and see if who will vote for that yeah paul so first of all i mean uh, you're you're right on many things about the two bills in fact three times more jobs are created in build back better act than the infrastructure bill um as currently proposed by how the house uh, has marked it up so clearly uh, there is a big difference and i do think we need to get uh, quite honestly, the president out there selling this more. I know he's going to go on CNN tomorrow night with a town hall format, which I think he does very well and and talk about it. But there's so many good, important things that real people will benefit from. We have to get that message out or else, uh, you know, it's it, a lot of that's going to be lost because there's so much good in here. Now, having said that, as I think I, I think I disagree a little bit on is this bill already has a big tax cut for, for the average person, 40 um, million American families are seeing a tax cut via the child tax credit. So you're already getting that because of COVID. This will extend that. Also, there are cost savings for American families via the negotiating for drug prices, the paying no more than 7% for child care, the expansion of Medicare benefits going into dental, vision, and hearing, uh, among other provisions that are going to be real cost savers for the American people. So there's still a lot that's going to be really good in this bill, but we have to make sure people understand all that's going to benefit them that's in there. And and when I talked to the president, I explicitly, that was my point, was get on the road, right? Go out there and talk about it. Joe Biden is extremely well-versed because he wrote this. He's passionate about it. I want him on the road. And if he does that, that will help us to let people know what's in that bill. And it will be even more popular uh, than it is currently. Amen. Martin in McKinleyville, California. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, thanks for taking my calls. Um, I have two, two comments. Uh, I read an editorial in the Journal of the American Medical Association about six months ago that said that Medicare would be insolvent by the year 2024. And my second comment is um, why not open Medicare up to people 60 years old and older rather than expanding the dental, vision, and hearing, because then you would be including more people in Medicare, and it might be more popular. Thank you. 
Yeah, so in regard to the first one, I haven't seen that, and I, I don't believe that's correct, so I, I can't speak specifically about it, but I haven't seen the exact thing you're talking about. We know Social Security, not Medicare, runs out of funding at a certain point, but again, there's a pretty easy fix that once Congress, you know, Congress only acts on deadlines when something's imminent. Uh, unfortunately, that's how I learned after nine years of how we operate. Uh, but there's an easy solution by lifting the cap of which people quit paying into Social Security. And if you adjust that, there's a long life to that. Uh, to your other question, we've tried for both, um, and the Progressive Caucus would like to lower that age. I just don't think that uh, it's a proposal right now that's on the table uh, from a number of parties, perhaps on the Senate. But I do think it's important, and this is Bernie's idea, to expand it to dental, vision, and hearing, because let's face it, for seniors, um, those are all real issues that are health care issues that aren't currently covered under Medicare. And, and the special interests in Washington are fighting against those hard because they don't want to have to, uh, you know, have that happen because they know uh, that they're going to lose some profits through that system. But it's good for um, health care reasons to have that expansion. So if we can get that, that is a big win, and that helps us get closer to um, making it that we will have something like Medicare for All in the future. Edgar in Houston, Texas. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, how are you doing that, Tom and Congressman Spokane? Uh, I'm wondering why they're having a problem with Joe Manchin when all they have to do is because we're doing the alternative, we're trying to get into the alternative energy thing. You offer those coal miners, those people in there who are killing themselves and destroying and helping to destroy the, the medical systems, you can offer those people first up to uh, those alternative jobs. Why don't they do that? Yeah, Edgar, that's in conversation. Also, I, I can only repeat what I've heard, but I heard there are about 10,000 uh, coal miners in West Virginia, and yet in my district I've got over 10,000 people who work for one company, uh, Epic, that does um, you know, medical uh, software uh, and things. So, uh, you know, it, it is, in my opinion, and, and I think many people who are listening, illogical not to address climate change because of, of one senator's, you know, state and where a lot of their industry comes from, albeit much smaller than perhaps people actually uh, think. But uh, to his credit, he's negotiating and helping us get something done right now. At the end of the day, I think we will have a bill, not with uh, everything that we originally wanted, but because Joe Manchin is negotiating and will ultimately, I think, be there with us. You know, that's a much better stance than someone who wouldn't share what they believe in so you can negotiate with them. So I, I'm not going to trash Joe Manchin. He and I may have serious uh, philosophical disagreements on um, what are some priorities, but he's actually working right now to move forward and get this done. And um, you know, I'll continue to try to convince him why uh, he may be wrong on a few things. And, and my, my good friend and our Progressive Caucus Chair, Pramila Jayapal, spent two hours with him on Monday afternoon doing just that. Uh, but I, I give anyone credit who's sitting down negotiating, trying to move forward. Tim, in Fort, oh, and by the way, uh, Congressman, uh, yesterday I was quoting the Washington Post headline, Arby's has more employees than the entire coal industry nationwide. Arby's. And nobody's talking about, we need to save Arby's workers. So for what we it's worth. We need a roast beef carve out. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Tim in Fort Wayne, Indiana, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, hi there. Thank you for taking my call. Um, Congressman, I just had a one short comment and one question. Um, number one, I wish you would be our congressman. We got Jim Banks here in Indiana, and he does nothing for his constitu constituents. 
and um, and it just it just bugs me. And, and even the independents and Republicans don't like him. I, I still don't understand how he gets voted in, but that's that's another rant. But my question is, is I'm usually an optimist, and I'm optimistic that we're going to keep the Congress and the Senate in 2022. But every time I turn on the news, they say Democrats in dire straits and all that. What's your opinion on the upcoming in one year? What's going to happen? Tim, thank you for that question, because... You know, I, I'm a journalism major, and I talk to a lot of reporters. And I, you know, I'll just the questions they ask all the time is, "When are you going to vote on this? What day?" And I'm like, "No one in my district asks what day. They want to know what's in the bill because that's what's important, and they all want to know the top line number." And we've told them over and over and over, "What matters is what's in the bill, and that'll get you a top line number. You don't work it backwards because that's an illogical way to kind of to to do it." Um, but they love to write on the conflict, right? I mean. You don't sell detergent and, um, you know, pharmaceuticals by saying, you know, members of Congress working hard to get a solution, right? That's boring. You're going to change the channel. They have to have conflict. So despite the fact several hundred Democrats in the House and 48 in the Senate are all rolling together, they want to focus on the two in the Senate and a handful or so in the House and make it the conflict start. So at first, let me just say that, and I appreciate you, you, you bringing that issue up. Second, you know, I'm bullish on 2022. There's two elections. One is the redistricting election, which doesn't affect the Senate. It does affect the House. And how gerrymandering occurs could already, you know, put you up or down so many seats. And we've got to watch that um, very closely. But secondly, if we get this done, uh, the Build Back Better agenda on top of the rescue plan, um, we are going to done more than any Congress probably since FDR. And, in fact, we're spending more money, but, of course, it makes sense because we're, you know, decades in the future from there. But it's that big what we're getting done right now. And this is stuff that real people will see. This isn't a bunch of carve-outs for special interests and big pharma. They're the ones who are opposing this because they don't want to pay for it. So there's a lot, I think, to be bullish on, even though traditionally that first uh, election after a new president comes in can be tough. Um, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good if we get this done. Yeah, amen. Me too. Rick in Portland, Maine, watching on Free Speech TV. Hey, Rick, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Portland, Maine, Portland, Oregon's namesake. There you go. So, or vice versa. <laughs> no, no. The guy, the guy from Portland, Maine won the coin toss. Oh, really? Uh, oh, interesting. Yes, and the guy from Boston lost, so it's Portland, Oregon. Ah, uh, okay. Um, so I don't understand why Senator Manchin cannot be satisfied. This kind of parallels the question that you just dealt with. I can't understand why Senator Manchin can't be satisfied with regards to his concerns for West Virginians. I understand 91% of, uh, I heard a figure, 91% of the uh, the revenue that or the, the economy of West Virginia depends on oil and gas and coal. But those are dead-end industries eventually. Uh, why, why can't he be happy with, with provisions to provide uh, uh, even better jobs for West Virginians and move them away, move West Virginia away from a fossil fuel-based economy? I mean, it's the mountaintop state. Guess what? They're blowing up the mountaintops in West Virginia. They have been for decades. I mean, that, that's hardly in the interest of the people of West Virginia. It, it, it just seems to me that is it just because he's, he's wedded to the 
funding from the oil from the fossil fuel industry, and therefore he doesn't want he doesn't want them to be disturbed. Well, he also makes a million or, bucks a year uh, from his I hear own you coal saying that Maybe he's more flexible than that. I think you understand the import of my question. I'm I'm looking forward to the answer, Congressman. Yeah, uh, thanks for the question, Rick. Uh, first of all, I don't believe that 99% of their economy is based on oil and gas is accurate uh, at all. Um, and I, I do think one thing I've noticed about people who are around in Congress for a long period of time is they don't always keep up with maybe the changes in their state. And I'm sure at one time even more significant was the industries he's talking about. And, um, you know, he also has some interest in those industries as well. Um, that may uh, color his views a, a little bit on the importance to his state. But to his credit, um, you know, our friend, uh, the program's friend, Ro Khanna, was telling me that, you know, he was invited out um, by Joe Manchin a couple of years back to talk about Silicon Valley and jobs, and he was trying to do just what you're saying, seeing how to bring some of those jobs to West Virginia. So I, I do think, you know, I, I have far less of a problem with, Joe Manchin, even though we disagree and that we will work to convince him to our side as much as possible, but he's negotiating at least in good faith and someone who doesn't tell you what they're for because then you can't find out what you have in common. And, um, you know, I think that uh, there is promise. Now, we disagree very strongly on the climate change um, provisions, and we're going to keep trying to get him to a better place on this. Uh, but I, I think that if we just pretend that this really is that important to West Virginia, I don't believe it is anymore. I don't think in the modern West Virginia. And I think that's part of the problem is perhaps there's a view of a, a former time. And uh, we have to try to help convince that, as you said, there are some better options in the future. Yeah, he's, he's stuck in the past. Nancy in Woodland, California, you are on the Earth Congressman Pocan. Yeah, I'm just wondering why we don't see Congress people being held immediately accountable for their bad actions, especially when it concerns the insurrection. I mean, we have a photo of Josh Hawley giving the power salute to the insurrectionists. We've got Mo Brooks on video with that speech he gave. And then just a few weeks ago, Madison Cawthorn was urging people to break insurrections out of jail, and they're still in Congress. I, I don't understand that. Let me answer it this way. It's probably not going to be a satisfying answer, but, you know, everyone has due process, right? And uh, you have to be able to prove something, part of why we're trying to do the January 6th commission. I think the, the answer, though, that I really want to say is it's just doing this now for almost three decades, local, state, federal service, and watching us go down to the point that a major political party in this country now is nothing more than a cult of a personality of someone who has authoritarian and racist uh, tendencies is really sad. And, you know, a lot of these new folks who've been elected are representing the worst qualities of Donald Trump, which uh, is, is a lot uh, to say. And I find that's what's really unfortunate because it changes the standard by which people are judged and uh, it makes it much more difficult to try to get things done. So um, it's really disheartening to someone like me who believes in our system and our institutions and to see this happen. But at the same time, um, that's why we have commissions like the January 6th Commission to get the truth and to go after those who need to be held accountable. And it may not be as swift as people would want, but, you know, we, we're, we're doing the best we can with juggling an awful lot of balls that Congress is juggling right now. Luigi in Pensacola, Florida. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes, Congressman, thank you for everything. My question is, 
<clears throat> excuse me, again, regarding messaging. You know, I notice all the media attention is play, playing on the Democrats' inability, supposed inability to get things done. Meanwhile, the Republicans are sitting back there laughing the whole time. What is it what, what is it going to take for maybe guys like you, and I know you try, to step up when the press asks these questions about the Democrats and the fact that we can't get these things done? Why don't you focus back and say, why don't you go ask Mitch McConnell and Republicans? Why aren't you asking them these questions? Yeah, Luigi, we do, trust me. Um, but, you know, we don't have the bully pulpit in the way the president does. And, you know, honestly, I think what I said to him, pretty much uh, what I'm going to say right now is, you know, there's so much good in the Build Back Better agenda. People just need to know about it. we got to cut through. Otherwise, they're going to write about what day and what amount rather than what's in the bill, which is wildly popular and people will really benefit from. You know, the president is that house on the block on Halloween that's giving out the full-size Hershey bars. He's not giving out the black <laughs> licorice or the circus peanuts, right? He's got the good stuff. And we need him to get out and talk about that good stuff as much as possible because he has a bully pulpit that is a thousand times the bully pulpit any of us have. So I hope that he, because he's passionate about it and he knows this subject, it's his bill, he can do it well, and we really need the president to get out and do that. Gordon in Naperville, Illinois, you're on the air with Congressman Pokian. Hi, good afternoon. Um, I have a, my question is about uh, if we can get Bannon on the, on the stand, so to speak, before the committee. Um, even if we do get in there, he's just going to play stupid. He's going to answer stuff with, oh, I don't remember, I don't recall, oh, I can't remember that. Is there anything that the select committee, are there any consequences they can give him if he just gets up there and plays stupid? Uh, can they continue to find him in contempt? Are there any, what can they do to make him actually answer questions? And he has a Fifth Amendment right, doesn't he? Yeah, and but also, um, you know, if he purges himself, there's perjury, right? I mean, there's still things that you can do to make someone tell the truth. And yes, he may try to dance around um, a, a lot of things. Was he one of the guys that went on Dances with the Stars? I don't remember. Some of those uh, former Trump people. Uh, no, Bannon didn't. You know, were, oh, no, Bannon didn't. Okay, I didn't exactly think of him as a dancer. But um, my guess is, you know, you're right. He's probably going to try to give a clear answer. But let's still put him in front of the American people and show that because sometimes a non-answer is an answer, right? If you can't answer a clear, easy yes/no question, and instead, you know, you're you're two-stepping it, the American people know what that answer really is, right? And uh, I think there's a value to putting right. him there, no matter what. And he has to comply with a subpoena. And if he doesn't, um, you know, put him on a concrete slab for a few nights in jail. That that's what we need to do. Sharon in Browns Valley, California, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. We got about a minute left to the end of the hour. Tom addresses several times on his show the 14th Amendment with regard to full faith and credit of the United States. I am worried about the debt ceiling constantly being an argument. It seems to Tom and to me that the full faith and credit clause of the 14th Amendment should bar the debt ceiling. Can you comment, please? Yeah, tr trust me, we've even got some of our most conservative members who are behind getting rid of this idiotic only created in the swamp of Washington debt ceiling provision, which is used for obstruction. There's no reason to say you've already authorized the expenditure to have a second step of whether or not you're going to mail the check uh, is completely idiotic. And now it's used as an obstruction tool. Uh, we should get rid of it. No question. And, um, you know, you're right, uh, because we got to deal with this again in December and it wastes 
congressional time that we could be doing things like extending Social Security and addressing Medicare and other issues that need to happen. So um, I, I agree with you. Could it be dealt with by simply invoking the 14th Amendment and saying, you know, we're just going to ignore this from now on? Could the administration I, do I that? don't know if that is the, the most direct path, um, but I can uh, sure. let me ask around to see uh, how much it's been discussed. Yeah. Well, obviously, legislatively removing it would be preferable. Congressman Pokin, yeah. anything in particular we should look forward to in the next uh, five seconds here? <laughs> I think I say it every week. Watch closely and contact your members of Congress. Build Back Better could be happening very, very soon. We need Thank people you. to call members of Congress. Thank you, Congressman. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So would you like to watch the Tom Harbin program, all three hours of our program, anytime you'd like? Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Tom Hartman, T-H-O-M-H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N, all run together. When you become a supporter of the program through Patreon, you have access to the full three-hour show anytime you want, and special content that we put up every single week that is unique specifically to our Patreon page. So check it out, Patreon.com slash Tom Hartman. Thank you. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Nicholas in uh, San Cristobal, Mexico. Hey, Nicholas, what's on your mind today? I have a plan to save the country. Okay. Yes. <laughs> this may sound like a joke, but I think it might be a wake-up call to both parties. Which I think we can believe the GOP is never going to take us where we need to go. I think we might even believe that Democrats are not going to be able to do it fast enough. So, because some red people are declaring that they want to secede from the nation, I think turnabout is fair play. And blue states need to uh, encourage secession as well and demand that we join instantly the European Union and immediately get all benefits that all citizens of the United or the European Union are getting from uh, education to universal health care, you name it, the list is long. And I think we need to do this in order to wake politicians up, essentially. What thinkest thou? Interesting. I, I don't know about joining the EU. <laughs> I mean, why, why throw an unnecessary complication in there? Why not just say... You know, that the blue, you know, the, the, well, actually, I, I, I would think the easiest way to do this, Nicholas, would be to pass this legislation that I've, I've been talking about for years, which is the end 
uh, Red State Welfare Act, which simply says that you know whatever whatever money you send to Washington D.C., however many dollars you may send to Washington D.C., for every dollar you send, you can't get back more than a dollar and fifteen cents. That's the absolute limit. Wouldn't it be brilliant? So, you know, Mitch McConnell getting $3.15 for every dollar that Kentucky sends to D.C. is an obscenity. It's like I'm subsidizing that with my taxes here in Oregon. We don't even get a dollar back for every dollar we send to, to spend to D.C. I know it. I know it. Well, I'll go with your plan, but I was thinking the uh, EU because now we don't have to worry about the Brits because they're out. <laughs> so I didn't think that we need to uh, you know, negate the revolution altogether with my plan. No, but that's I like right. plan just as well. Maybe it's a joint vote plans. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Let's go for in tandem. We yeah. need to do something. Is the point is, as you know, as well. Uh, I'm with you, Nicholas, and and I think that um, the more theatrical, the better, and and that's, that's why what you I know, think. I, yeah, that, and that's yeah. I love your idea. I, you know, I'm I'm obviously a fan of my yeah. own idea, um, and I'm not sure that that, and I don't see where they're mutually incompatible. You know, to, they they could both. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. Uh, and I, I agree. I think theatrical is needed now because something is definitely needed. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay, Robin in Kingston, Washington. Hey, Robin, what's on your mind? Thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. Just trying to uh, do two things. A, uh, contribute with the theme of your show, Mark Pocan, and the other is to try to form a coalition to avoid us getting blown out in 2022 and 2024. I'm going to focus this on kind of what Mark uh, Pocan said today, which is pretty rare for him to say, actually come out and just be blunt. If you don't want the problem we have with Manchin and Cinema, elect more Democratic senators. Okay? Right. Right. So, I mean, Pocan is usually merely, yeah, he's usually merely mouth, but he just come, came right out. So I'm going to take this, this opportunity. I'm going to say some things that you sort of already know, but I'm going to say that Manchin is actually a Republican in blue drag. Cinema is a different case. And if you take a look at what Manchin has demanded to be removed from uh, us, uh, from Biden's um, uh, program moving forward here, um, there's a couple of things that really go directly to the youth. Yeah, One free college, for example. That's the first thing they took out the, today. That is correct. And the other that I would add would be climate change. Okay. Yeah. Why, Tom? Why is Manchin a Republican in blue drag? Because the Republicans are absolutely petrified that the youth actually is going to get out to vote. Yeah. Because if they do, they're going to vote the Republican establishment out of Well, and this office. is why they're passing laws that say it's illegal to organize politically or run a political campaign or do any kind of political solicitation on a college campus. It's why they've passed laws in state after state making it illegal to use state college IDs as voter IDs. I mean, you know, they're, they're doing everything they can to prevent young people from voting or participating in voting. It's why they, they will limit, you know, the, the, the number of polling places on a college campus or in the, in the vicinity of a college campus. They're, they're just... You know, it's uh, Social Security age okay. voters, college age voters, and anybody who's not white. The Republicans don't want to vote. I I am in complete agreement, and you will see what I, my recommendation is here to how to get around this is consistent with the position that I've taken on your show for all of these years because the majority of your listeners and viewers are what I consider to be elders on the left. 
and I maintain they are they have significantly more responsibility right now to try to reach downward and tr- to try to respectfully try to get the people uh, in their family tree, younger people, to get out to vote. Amen. Now, I de- I'm Tom. I'm in the street all the time. I deal with these. I deal with your listeners all the time. They even know who I am. Okay, and and um, every time, without exception, every person basically says, "Well, it's up to the kids now, and whatever." And I did my part back then, and whatever it might be, can't quit, Tom. Yeah, we got to reach out to young people. We, I'm, I'm we with can't you, quit. Bob in St. Petersburg, yeah. Florida. Hey, Bob, what's on your mind today? Thanks for listening on the Tom Hartman app. It's been tough because I'm your age and losing hope that we're ever going to get the progressive government and economy that we had. I think we're moving we in that changed. direction pretty rapidly, uh, all things considered, Bob. We're, we're, we're debating legislation that over the last 40 years wouldn't have ever even had an opportunity to get onto the floor of the House or Senate. Well, that's, that's why I listen to you, Tom. You pick me up. <laughs> Good. Um, so what I did, I've heard you talk a lot about uh, getting involved at the ground level mm-hmm. and and the, with the problem, the enormity of the problem. You know, I'm kind of like, yeah, great, but, you know, but I did. And uh, two weeks ago, I went and canvassed for a local candidate here in St. Petersburg. His name is Richie Floyd. Hey, good he's idea. For, he's running for city council. Yeah. And uh, last week, or just this past Sunday, they had a meet and greet. And I want to tell um, all your listeners that you want to meet nice people in your community, and and it's hard. <laughs> go 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 meet up with your progressive candidates if, if they have anything. Get involved because Tom, I've, it felt rewarding. Yeah. And uh, and and I talk to people. Some you know people you know just for everybody's friendly. And and you give a local candidate like Richie Floyd of St. Petersburg fifty bucks, and it's meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I opened my email. And I'm already getting Trump is only two points behind Biden. Give us three dollars. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's just so, so out of. Out, yeah, out of no, I get it. Bob, Bob, you are illustrating the point that uh, I've had uh, psychologists and psychotherapists on this program make and that I've been making for years and years, which is the best remedy against despair. The best way to deal with depression or feeling like, you know, hey, what's life got to offer anymore is becoming active, is engaging in something that you care about. Tell me about your canvassing experience for, uh, did you say Richie Floyd? Richie Floyd, yep, St. Petersburg, Florida, city council candidate. Um, I went with, like, one of his main guys, and I've got a beautiful German shepherd. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we went down and we just, we canvassed, we had Democrats. Mm-hmm. And, and St. Peter's a uh, blue city, and if we just get the Democrats to vote, right. you know, uh, right. you know, we're going to carry this. And he, I like to say, Ricky, he's a brilliant kid, uh, and he's young. Uh, a Honeywell engineer, he's teaching now. A nice family, got all the right ideas. And uh, and, I, and every house he went to, you know, first of all, I'm standing on the street, with my dog, and I go, oh, what a beautiful dog! So, I mean, it was a lot of fun, you know. And yeah. we're hitting all Democratic houses, and you know. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm going to do it for him again. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, you get a feeling of, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like, hey, I just did something. I just accomplished something. Um, and yep. your candidate doesn't always win, uh, but they don't always lose either. <laughs> it's like so, well, so. What I found out, Tom, is I don't know the local issues. I just moved back here. Uh, mm-hmm. We lived here for 16 years, moved to Asheville, came back, 
and now I realize I'm all so so heavily involved in in the nationals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got I got to learn what what's important to people right now. Yeah, out here in our in, in our city, which is a and good that, and healthy thing to do, Bob. That's that's great. Bob, thank you for the well, call. And 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 good on you. And uh, you know, I'm assuming people can Google Richie Floyd, St. Petersburg City Council, if they want to throw some bucks your way or help out. Mike in Marietta, Georgia. Hey, Mike, what's on your mind today? Tom, you live or used to live down the street from where I am now. Oh, really? Uh, that's what a friend a friend told me. You we, were we, in Roswell. Yeah, we, we were in uh, we were in Roswell for a while, and we were in Marietta. When we were in Marietta, we lived on Winterwood Way, and in Roswell, it was out on Lock Highland. So, anyhow, what's up, Mike? Tell you a quick Marietta story. Uh, there's an elementary school down the street from me. I'm retired. Set up a guest speaker program, and one day we had from the Sierra Club, Roger Berkey, retired engineer, and he came down there and talked about his time when the Chattahoochee was going to be turned, that part of the Chattahoochee that was undeveloped was going to be turned into uh, development for condos. Hmm. And every group in the area got together and they went to the state legislature. And uh, eventually somebody said, you know, I've got a friend who has a friend who knows the governor. Get in touch with him, bring him on down. The more friends, the merrier. And this is uh, Cochrane Shoals Park, if you've ever been down there. Mm-hmm. You've got a parking lot on either side of the park, and it's a lovely little place, but you couldn't get into it at the time because there was no road. So they got the governor down, put him in a raft, were floating him down to Chattahoochee, and he looks over at where the park was going to be and said, that is just lovely. That would make a wonderful park. And on the other side of the river was a solid stone wall, and he noticed a couple kids would climb up about 20 feet, then jump off into the river. And he said, that looks like fun. Why don't you paddle on over there? I'd like to do that, too. So they paddled over. The governor got out on the boat, climbed up the wall, jumped in the river. You were telling uh, President Carter stories. Mm -hmm. That was Jimmy Carter when he was governor back in the day. Oh, my. Jumping off the wall. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. Jimmy Carter was such a human being, or is such a human being. He is such a good man. It's just. Gentlemen, you were just talking to from Florida who found out that canvassing can be a lot of fun. Mm. When I first started canvassing about 20 years ago, South Cobb, we found out in a hurry that it was fun. And our motto, a group of canvassers, was. If you're not having fun, you're doing something wrong. And we had a wonderful time canvassing. It's just that my daughter thinks I go out there and all I need are people with shotguns and bulldogs. She has no idea what a wonderful time it can be. Yeah, yeah. The the last caller was just uh, telling us this, this extraordinary story about canvassing. It's true. Mike, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Thanks for the call. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.